ja immer. ಮಂಗಲಂಕ್ತಾಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂಗಲಂ
Lakini Bahuru Prishu has many, many forms. We spend so much time. Stula Shukshma. Then the, um, uh, that she who is the gross and the subtle. We spend quite a bit of time on that. The gross and the subtle. Another way to think of that is observer, the observed, the thinker and the thought, the, the uh, uh, changing, the unchanging, that type of... She's both these things. And then Shukshma Tada. That's where we left off. Where are we here? Let me see. Stula Shukshma Shukshma Tada. So, Tarangini, she who is wave, Shrikshmatara, she who is subtle, the subtle wave. That's pretty much kind of where we left off. We can, we, we not really discussed it. But Shrikshmatara, that the most subtle, so if interpreting, if you can remember back, we were saying that this, uh, um, the ocean described as, uh, as, as Nadi, Nadi um, um, Samudra, this ocean is a we can conceive of it as this pure um, non-dual ground of being or pre-being, you know, the existence itself, right? And within that, there seems to be, or there actually is, uh, uh, or we think there is, depends on the different schools will interpret it differently. Advaita uh, hold one view, Tantra hold another view like this. Um, uh, that there's, there seems to be some stir, some vibration, some... So in Tantra, we call it called a spanda, a pulse, a bija, a seed, or a, a, a drop, some, some beginning vibration. That beginning vibration, that when it says Taruangini, she who is, who, who, who is waves and ripples, right? Here's Shukshmatara, so she's the, the most subtle, the most subtle ripple. So, we, so this could be, from that's the very beginning from which everything comes, but interpreted as the ascent rather than the descent of consciousness, the ascent of consciousness, we're trying to get subtler and subtler and subtler. The more subtle our thinking, the more subtle our perception, the closer we are to catch that subtle beginning, the, the first movement in consciousness. We quoted, I think, a few, uh, two weeks ago, so this one, uh, I don't have it in my memory, I, wouldn't, uh, uh, I didn't have it last time either, but it's, I know the, the, the purport of the verse, uh, the Panishadic verse, it says that Brahman is the most subtle, right? And so usually we think, oh, Brahman can't be perceived, right? He says, but he can't, but actually in this Upanishad says it can be perceived with, but, but the, with the extremely subtle mind, right? And therefore that's the purpose of sadhana, meditation, awareness, these type of practices are to make the mind subtler and subtler and subtler so that we can catch most subtle thing, the most subtle movement, the first pulse. Right? Another thing in, in Sri Ramakrishna described uh, um, um, japa and meditation to be like, um, well, one thing he said is like, it's like you follow like uh, the, the, the meditation on Om. This is a, when I was chanting the long drawn out Om just now, I was thinking, oh, we've never really talked, and not in a long time, talked about Om. We're not going to talk about Om right now, but a little bit is that, that, that the sound, the, uh, when you say the, the symbol of Om has, you know, it's a, that symbol is a mystical symbolic letter, but then it has a chandra and a dot, the bindu. That dot is the dot in the middle of a yantra. This is that subtle wave, that first pulse, right? And so that from that dot, everything from that dot beyond which there's nothing. There's the one thing and the no thing or the the everything, you know. And then it becomes manifested through sound, also represented by my ma's garland of heads, how all the different sounds come, from the one sound, the pure soundless sound, to the purest sound, the one sound that becomes, like when you say om, aum, all possible sounds are there, so all the vowels express sound, and then consonants are the breaks of those vowels, and then words are made of vowels and consonants together, and you know, bit by bit, the whole world of manifestation comes, right, but we can trace it, but, so that's how everything comes from the bindu, or in the, in the Sri Yantra, everything comes from the yantra, from the bindu of the yantra. They have a yantra. I have a, a visual aid. <laughs> the bindu of the yantra, everything comes out, right? Uh, um, but in sadhana, that's philosophy. We see how theology or philosophy, how the one has become many, or the one or the transcendent has become imminent, or how supreme conscious become trapped as us in muladhara, as in worldly and worldly conscious, however we think of it. But sadhana is reverse trapped. Right, uh, so we're trying to find go back to the bindu, the bindu the way back, and so even the chanting of a mantra like Om is a method. Any any legitimate sadhana is a, is a method to make the mind subtle. 
but Om is a perfect example because when when you chant Aum, when you do that Um, there's a nasal quality that the yogis focus on that that allows to trail off or the sound gets more and more subtle and subtle and kind of buzzes off into non-existence you never know exactly where it stops at some point you're no longer making noise there there is in in manifest sound you could probably mark it using equipment or something you know <laughs> exactly when the stomp sounds but practically speaking you can't if you follow it you can in a certain sense you can imagine it going back into the bindu there's a mantra Shankaracharya wrote um, a hymn on the, or it's attributed to Shankaracharya on the, uh, on the uh, Panchakshari mantra. It, it describes each of the syllables of Nama Shivaya, right? Each, each uh, Nam Nakaraya, you know, it's a beautiful hymn. The boys of Arasham, it's in my mind, I'll think of the boys of Arasham chanted. But we say, we don't say Nama Shivaya, we say Om Nama Shivaya. So Om is there. So he didn't, the, so often the, word, the, the, the mantra for Om is also included. But that he didn't write. That's considered. I have not found. I don't know exactly where it is, but it's always. Oh, that's a Vedic mantra. It's always stated. Although I don't know. Swami Omananda, our Guruji, quotes it a lot. Om Karabindu Samyuktam. Om. I have to. If I remember it. Om Karabindu Samyuktam. Nityam Yogit. Nitya Dhyayata Yoganaha. Kamara Mukshiram Chaiva. Om Karayanam. Ah, I got it. Om Karayanam. It's been a long time. Om Karayanam. Om Kara Bindu Samyuktam. Nitya Dhyayata what did I say? Om Nityam Dhyayata Yogana, something like that. The yogis always meditate on Omkara. Omkara, all right. Bindu, that with the Bindu. Right, so it's like the, the yogis are all eternally, all the time, without break, meditating on Omkara, of the Om Mantra, with the Bindu. Bindu Sam Yuktam, united with the Bindu, connected with the Bindu. So it's not just chanting Om, it's meditating on the Bindu. Om focus to the bindu which is trying to tr- find that the the where the sound disappears into from the gross sound articulated speech to the the to to the to the, uh, 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 more subtle and subtle sounds to the movement in consciousness to pre-consciousness to the to the very where does it where does the sound first come from and where does it go into it's hard to find out where it comes from but we can reverse it find out where it goes into like uh, when you when you say any word this is actually true of any word you you're not thinking a word and you think of a word and then somehow or another, it, you say the word, right? Where did it come from, right? You can trace it back. It's very hard to know where, where it comes from, right? You know, we don't know where our thoughts come from and our words come from, right? But we can maybe catch where they go. Maybe they're just a trick, right? Because where they go and where they come from is the same thing, right? Uh, it, it comes, a, a sound or a thought comes into being and ceases to be, right? And so there's a space in between those, right? Another, this is, I haven't got to my notes yet, so please forgive me, but this is very interesting. I didn't think I was going to talk about Shikshvatara, but this is, I think, important. In the verse in the Gita, it says that all, all beings, everything in this world or all beings are strung on me like strings, strings like pearls on a thread. Right? Sutra is the word, right? So these aren't thread, but this, this is, so you have, so we see the beads, right? But what we don't see is what, what, what's throughout the beads, What's the beads are strung on? That's a thread. But theoretically, you could, if you paid attention, you can like, oh, let's in between these two these two types of beads. There seems to be a little gap, and if I look really carefully, maybe even accentuate it, you know, and and make a crease so you can actually see the string. So he says everything is strung on me. We see everything. We don't see him, right? So we how to see him? And so once in between everything. Where you know that's there's a gap in between everything. There's con- every thought, everything, every name, every form exists in consciousness, right? Consciousness is within it also, but we don't see consciousness, right? But we can. So when you say a mantra, or you say or, or your thought of your 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 meditational uh, focus, and you say a mantra, you say the mantra. We say, oh, that mantra is God. That mantra is Ma's Ma's name and not different from Ma. That's true, right? And then, and then mantra ends, and then you say the mantra again. And, you, and the mantra ends, and you say the mantra again, right? So we're trained, and we should, to try to learn to focus on the mantra, just on the sound, the holy sound, or the transformative, holy, beautiful sound that is the rupa, the sound form of, of the Divine Mother. But what about, in between, what about in between? Our problem is that usually, in between the two thoughts we want, is a thousand other thoughts we don't want, that we can't control. 
we say Maz, we say, like like the example is Om Namah Shivaya, and then before we say Om Namah Shivaya, we've thought, you know, I don't want to say Om Namah Shivaya anymore, <laughs> or <laughs> like I'm sleepy, Om Namah Shivaya, I'm sleepy, Om Namah Shivaya. You know, it's like whatever, you know, the so many thoughts got right? That's our problem. So if we train ourselves to to focus on the thought on, on the mantra, the thought of the mantra, and not think anything else, right? And no other thought is there. Then in between mantras, what's there? There's no other thought, right? Then we can catch that from which the thought rises, in which it exists, in which it goes. Right? We can catch that gap, right? That's the bindu samyuktam, the the yogis meditate. On the on on the the, the bindu, uh, uh, so we focus on the sound, uh, and the rup, the nama rupa of the mantra, and of the deity, but also what's in between. This is just a training. This is a technique, an important technique. How to make the mind subtle? I believe shukshma tara could mean this also. This very subtle way, yeah. and that kind of ties some of the things shukshma rupa. Stula, she who is gross, Shukshma, who is subtle, and Shukshmata, she was the that first movement, we can catch it. So then it kind of switches to another beautiful name, Bhagavati. Bhagavati, actually, the Sandhya says, Bhagavatya Anuragini. So two names, Bhagavati and Anuragini. So we'll do Bhagavati. So Bhagavati, we we know this word in its masculine form or its neutral form. I'd say neutral form, but it has a masculine tendency as Bhagavan. We like Gita Bhagavan Uvacha, right? The Lord, the Blessed Lord said, right? You know how we translate, God said, or the personality of Godhead said, so whatever people translate in a different way, the Lord said, Bhagavan. So we have to think, what is Bhagavan? You know, and so she's she's described. She Ma is described as Bhagavati. Bhagavati, in a certain sense, is a simple Bhagavati is a feminine form of Bhagavan. Just like you have Ishwara. Ishwara means God. You know, it has specific meaning. But so Ishwari is goddess, or if uh, or or if um like um Raja means uh, king, Rajeshwari, you know, or, or like like there's a queen. Raja Rajeshwari is the queen of queens or like the empress. She is a feminine, it's a clearly feminine thing. So it's a, so a simple thing as we're referring to, you know, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't say, you'd say, oh, the goddess, you'd say the goddess Kali, right? You know, you, you could say God, the god Kali, but, and by God, and I think that's an appropriate thing, God, by God simply means the supreme being, controller, sustainer, you know, whatever attributes you mean, God, and to say that she's, that she's God, I think is very accurate, right? But there's something about saying she's the goddess also, right? To use that language, I think, is also important so we can develop. So first, what does Bhagavan mean? To, uh, oh, uh, um, so in the, in the, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, there's a, a, in the very beginning, close to the beginning, in the first skanda, in the second chapter of the first skanda, uh, there is a, uh, I think, a foundational verse, right? Vedanti tat tat Tattva vidha tattvam yaj jnana advayam brahmeti paramameti bhagavan iti shabjate. The learned Vedanti, tat, those who know tat, uh, tat, tattva vid, vidha, the, the ones who know the truth, the learned ones, the educated people, but those who have experienced the truth, they understand jnana advaita, they understand the, the non dual one, the one being. Right, uh, the one that's not that doesn't have a second, the one being. They describe it in three ways. Right, it says as parameti, uh, uh, brahmeti, parame, paramatmeti, and Bhagavan. As Brahman, as Paramatma, and Bhagavan. Right, these are three features. You could say sometimes the language is three in three features. That's okay. I think it's not exactly right either, but. We can use other translations of this verse. How you use that, that they understand it and they have three features, right? So, <clears throat> what is so? Th- here, this verse says that Bhagavan, Paramatma, and Brahm and and Bhagavan, uh, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan are the same being. They refer to the same reality, the one non-dual reality. So we have to think what that is. But what is Brahman? Brahman Using when we say Brahman, this is the, can't use this word, but like impersonal aspect, the formless aspect, or that which is beyond form, or beyond conceptions of 
that's inconceivable. Uh, uh, the root of the word Brahman comes from the, this uh, term that to expand, or that's really, really, really big. You know, you can think of it bigger than big is infinitely big, is Brahman. So, so sometimes we translate it as the absolute. It's tricky when you say the absolute because Brahman is Bhagavan is also the absolute, the name for the absolute, and Paramatma is also a name for the absolute. So it's we these words have taken on a, a loaded meaning beyond their actual lexicon meaning but um so brahman so brahman we think of oh, the 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 that which is i can't say beyond because then you're you're we're still put into a hierarchy be careful not to put into hierarchy the 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 app the nature we say oh the ground of being or being itself maybe that's a good way to describe it perhaps back to a term we discussion we had a few mornings ago here right it's uh one you could perhaps describe brahman as being itself the reality itself right Paramatma is the supreme Atman, the supreme self, right? And so another thing, so this is like, we all have a self, a sense of self. We don't quite know what it is. We have some, we say I, we feel I. Beyond the ego says I all the time. The ego screams I, look at me, look at me. But behind that, there's something that's shining through the ego saying I, right? The, uh, so there is some some I-ness, some, some sense of, uh, some source of consciousness Right now, the question is whether that's eternal, whether it's changing, whether it lasts over time, whether it lasts between bodies. Yet these are different, different religions, and even our religion says fifty different things on this. Right, this is not the point. But that, so by saying paramatman means that beyond that, that 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 this, the, that there's a you have to read the word para para means simple meaning para means supreme being or you know universal being or the beyond the the the, the uh, so we have beingness. We have we we seem to be an individual being, whatever that is, whatever that the quality of that is. But God is like the supreme amongst those beings. You could that's one way to think of it, right? Amongst amongst selves, He's the supreme self. But that's another thing. He's usually this Paramatma idea is like He has become all the different selves, right? So sometimes, like the the in the Hare Krishna literature, they say it's a localized Lord. Right, the Lord that that God as Bhagavad, God has entered every 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 atom and every person as like the the self of their self, right? You know, we have the individuals have an existence, but our existence is still dependent upon uh, upon upon God's existence or the divine existence, the, the the supreme existence. So this is different ways, but the philosophical understanding, the Upanishadic philosophical understanding of Brahman is one thing, but try to realize like when you you know what is yoga? So you still the mind, you still the chitta, and then the self, the atman shines in its shine, uh, awareness shines in its own glory, right? That realization, it, the the goal of of the yogic tradition, you could say the yoga, the goal of a Vedantic inquiry could be Brahman, perhaps, if overly simplified, but in general way, the goal of yogic practice is is the atman or the paramatman. We're trying to find the self, who we are, and then and then the thing is whether or not that we're an individual self or that our individual self is the one self, then it, it opens up. You know, classical yoga says, I'm 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 a little self and and there's unlimited multiple multiple selves. Right? And and, and uh, 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 but in the Vedantic kind of interpretation of yoga we'd we'd probably stretch that to like there's one self appearing as many selves or one self behind all the individual selves. Some sort of language like that. So Brahman and Paramatman and then the third one is Bhagavan. So usually here Bhagavan means the as like God, the Godhead. The God, not Godhead, that's the wrong use. Godhead is more the uh, ground of being conception. The, like the, we think of the, the, the personal, the, the personal, when we think of God in the Christian sense, you know, the creator, sustainer, the, there's a being. There's, it's not just being itself, there's a being. Right, that we call that we either we name that his name is God or his name is Krishna or actually we now know we have a thousand names, you know. First one is apparently she who dwells in the cremation ground. You know, first name on this list, right? Right, she has a lot of names or he has a lot of names, right? Uh, but there is a being. It's not just being itself, but there's a being, the one who is. We think of you know the controller, the creator, the sustainer, the 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 one whose will somehow creates universe, you know, different, the, uh, theism uses this language, you know, the theistic idea of God, you could say.
something like that. So Paramatman, Brahman, uh, Paramatman, and Bhagavan. In a conversation with Sri Ramakrishna, was on the boat ride, was Keshav Sen and Vijay Krishna Goswami, which paintings over there, and he's on his way there. A very important section in the Katamrita, also in the Gospel, it's there. In it, one of the things he says, Thakur says, he says, well, she's talking about Kali. I have to remember that he's talking about Kali, and he says that that the that the, uh, she is the 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 Vedantis, the Gyanis, actually uses the word the Gyanis Brahman, the Yogis Atman, here means Paramatman, and the Bhaktas Bhagavan. Right? You know, it's like so. It's, a, it's a similar that, that that the they're the same thing. He's saying his own language. Almost, a, it's almost a a direct quote from the Bhagavatam, even though it's not. Exactly a quote, but it's a, by idea, it's a, it's, a, it's almost a direct quote. But he says she is that reality, right? She's the same. The same reality is there. So similar to what we're saying here. So Brahman is the absolute beyond qualities in general. Paramatma is the self of all beings in general, and Bhagavan refers to the personal aspect of God as Lord, Creator, Sustainer, like that. Right. Um, so. She's Bhagavat, Bhagavati, so she basically saying she's Bhagavan. So I think what we have to think what this word really means. Um, Sri Ramakrishna, whenever you read in the gospel, when he's talking about God, right? Uh, 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 God is like this. God appears in many forms. God is God has created all the religions. God, you know, one should work, you know when. When longing comes for God, then then God is real. It is like this language. Usually, he he's either using the word Ishwara or Bhagavan, right? And but he uses very often he's describing Kali, right? But then he he uses the word Ishwara and Bhagavan. He doesn't say Ishwari or Bhagavati, right? Unless sometimes you, when you're talking specifically about the God is Kali, then you'd say the God is Kali, right? But usually, when he's talking about Kali, he's using the more general idea that we think of God. Right. What is so? Ishwara has a technical mean. In common language, it means controller or lord. Right. Lord is a political term, not a philosophical term. But anyways, uh, um, but you know what we mean by this. But it means specifically, philosophically, it means that he or he, she, it, they, that, that uh, creates, sustains, and destroys, and reveals and covers. Right. Uh, uh, these are the four, the, the five full aspects of Bhagavan. Right. Uh, of, of Ishwara. And so Bhagavan has a similar uh, meaning. Bhagavan has a specific meaning. Uh, let's see here. So in the Vishnu Purana, this is a classical definition. Right? Aishvarasya samagrasyaha viryasya yashayaha shriyaha jnana varagyos chayavaha sanham bhaga itingana there's two syllables, Bhaga. So Bhagavan is a lord of who has bhagas. So what are the bhagas? This is defining what bhaga means. Bhaga means six attributes or six glories, right? And actually, the word bhaga sometimes has this meaning of like glories or I don't, I don't, I don't know another better word for this. Uh, and so, what are those six, six glories? There's uh, dominion, uh, uh, might. Means strength, right? Glory, splendor, wisdom, dispassion. Right. This is a list. There's other lists. Sometimes uh, they list like so. He's all another a more classical way. Very often you'll hear in other literature a little lighter version of this is like uh, got uh, uh, power, beauty, renunciation, intelligence, knowledge, wealth. Right. So uh, you know, and and fame. It's kind of these are kind of more common English ideas of these. These more subtle points, and so we all have some of those powers. We have a little bit of fame or infamy. We have some intelligence. We maybe a little bit of renunciation. Some beauty, you know. Some you know, but we don't have that much. We're not all that. <laughs> We're that, but not all that, <laughs> right? So, so he who he or she here who has those things in full, or most, right? One who has the one who possesses these six qualities. All six qualities, or all six qualities. Extremely, that is called Bhagavan. So it's an interesting thing. Really, when we say oh, when we say oh Lord Krishna, it says Bhagavan Sri Krishna, Lord Krishna. We don't even think oh because he's called Bhagavan because he's so beautiful, 
He's the most beautiful, the most intelligent, the most learned, the most famous, and the most renounced, the most powerful. You know, but that's actually what's mean. Another thing is he's the most God. These are God qualities. But the thing is, these are qualities everybody has. Everything has. We have in small amounts, though. Uh, it's interesting, like, like renunciate, like some of them, like, like beauty, right? So I to, I've told the story before. It's an interesting. I remember it a lot. Years ago, many, many years ago, in Laguna Beach, Hare Krishna Temple, uh, summertime, uh, there was a guest Swami named Jayadvaita Swami. And he's a very talented speaker, you know. And I, I mean, I, li- I always liked his speaking style. And so it's a Sunday feast, so there's a lot of people. And, and it's, it's, it's the beach community, it's right on the beach, right? So it's, it's its own, people, are in, people aren't dressed for the temple, you know, people are dressed off the beach. And they're encouraging, they're trying to get people, youth to come in, take prasad and listen to a lecture. This is how you get, you expose the religion to young, the young generation, right? But he was speaking, so I forget the point, uh, but and at that time, a very, by culturally, uh, cultural standard triggers, a very beautiful girl came in, came in off the street and was in the back of the row. And she was not, she was dressed for the beach, let's say, not for the temple, right? And naturally, everyone's mind, right? Every, every, literally everybody, some people's minds because she was attractive, other people might like, oh my God, how should be dressed like this? Oh my God, look at, he's, you know, stop looking at him, or whatever, you know, whatever, looking at her, whatever, there was everybody's mind, got, there were, everybody's mind was switched to her beauty, right? And she was, good or bad, people were conscious of her perceived beauty, right? And you could see he had he lost the crowd immediately. Just like he's like keeps talking and just realizing what am I do? And then in the middle, so he was able within his talk, he says, "Just see, there are so many beautiful people and beautiful things in this world." So and he says, "There's, like, there's so many beautiful, handsome men, so many beautiful, lovely women, right?" And and of course, people like he's on to us, <laughs> you know. Like that. I think you know what, what is it? he says. Just think how beautiful Krishna is. Who's the source of all beautiful people? And slowly he got everyone's attention more or less back. And I remember, I don't remember the talk, but I remember this little, it was a good uh, 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 technique to catch people's attention. But that's the point is that, that Krishna's, God is more, if, if there's beauty, where does beauty come from? He's a source of beauty. He must be so much more beautiful. This type of, this is that sentiment behind it, right? The most beautiful, when he possesses these things in extreme. Right, uh, uh, even renunci- even renunciation is an attractive thing. People who have power and don't care about it, right? That's a very attractive thing. Well, anyways, you can see people are famous for people are famous. People are beautiful. People are um, um, uh, intelligent, powerful. You know, so Bhagavan means that. So by saying she's Bhagavati, means she's powerful. She's beautiful, or she possesses these things in full. She's renounced. She's uh, uh, knowledgeable, like that, or she's these things. So that's a that's what we mean. Often, when we when we mean in common language, when we say God, we don't necessarily mean He creates, sustains, and destroys, and uh, covers and reveals, right? Sometimes we mean, oh, He's oh, the, the, the most wonderful, the mo- you know, the, the devotional. So Bhagavan is the Lord is is the Lord for the devotee, or the God of the devotee, because these are things that are attra- these are attractive qualities. Right, these are things that 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 we're that we, one of my one of my friends at and at, at OCC coined the term omni omni wonderful qualities. We have omni we have like omnipotent omniscient omni, we have all these omni God is omni wonderful, right? The things that the most the most wonderful of all qualities. This text describes traditional six. So Bhagavan or Bhagavati, she or she, or it that possesses these six qualities in full. Right. Uh, another. So this word bhag comes from the, the word of the word bhag itself comes from the word budge or the, comes from the similar root bug and budge both come from uh, budge um, from the same thing and the, and budge means to worship right uh, my name has the word budge in it right so it's it indicates the object the object of devo- of worship so you can have ishwara the god who creates sustains destroys covers and reveals right but it doesn't necessarily doesn't mean say that you love him or her, right, and worship him or her. So Bhagavan is that reality when worshipped as an object of worship, right, connected to worship. The worship. So sometimes Bhagavan we could translate as the worshipable Lord. I think it's a better word than just the Lord, right. So sometimes I in my translations I often use like the Blessed Lord said Sri Bhagavan Ubacha, because blessed means here means the possessor of blessed 
qualities, the devotion, the qualities that focus our mind like this. So bug, bug is the object of our, our of our personal bug, bug is or budge, and therefore Bhagavan is the object. He or she who is the object of our personal devotion, and that makes sense. That fits the Bhagavatam definition, and it fits Sri Ramakrishna's definition. Okay. But we also have maybe you've heard, you know, when if you've read or anything about Ramana Maharishi, it says Bhagavan Sri Ramana Maharshi. So, so, does Bhagavan mean that he's possessor of the six qualities? Right. Uh, so it could be people. Oh, it's, it's an exuberant. You could give somebody the title Bhagavan, saying, "Oh, he's God incarnate. He's the original God. He's the most beautiful, the most intelligent, the most wonderful." Right. And so it can. A lot of times, it's attached to names of of saints or charismatic figures by their disciples, in order to to uh, accentuate the claim divinity, right? But actually, that's actually not the way it's properly used. When you say Bhagavan Sri Ramana, although he may be the Supreme Lord incarnate, I, I, I don't have the um, insight to judge that, but he didn't claim to be, and his disciples didn't claim him to be. They used the title because he was a sage of highest wisdom. And so there's another definition of Bhagavan is one who is, is, a, is a title for a sage. When we say Bhagavan Sri Ramakrishna, we actually mean both. We say like Bhagavan Sri Krishna is like the Lord Krishna. We believe he's he he is that worshipable God in human form. It's the avatar in this is Sri Ramakrishna. But it's also an appropriate name when Swami Vivekananda would in his writing Bhagavan Sri Ramakrishna said, right? Uh, 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 or I'm I'm sending you my brother disciple. He was well trained. He was loved by our 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 master Bhagavan Sri Ramakrishna. Often in that common use, it just he was a, a sage of the highest realization, right? Actually, I didn't have to. you 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 had you had transliterated it earlier, but I didn't really, should have written it down. I'll just read uh, the the verse from the again from the Vishnu Purana. He who understands creation and dissolution. I don't know about you. I don't understand. Are we on? That may still be on, actually, right? Let me see if it's this may be on. Hold on. I shall tell you momentarily. The Nandabai is watching. It says broadcast interrupted. Should we restart it? Or? It has. You have to make sure it's. Otherwise, it's going to. If you bring it to me, I can set it up. Okay, there we go. Don't worry about the labor we need. You back on. Also, somebody could have sometime made you a. Uh, could have been a phone call or something interrupted or something. Are we back on? Okay, sorry, sorry. Picking up. 
on Bhagavan Part 2. <laughs> Bhagavan Bhagavati Part 2. Right. <clears throat> so he, so what, the, what is a, a, a sage who understands what? Creation and dissolution. Now, I guess I know the words creation and dissolution. We can talk, you know, but I don't understand the nature of creation and dissolution, so I don't get the title. It also, one who understands the appearance and disappearance of beings. Right, that's an interesting. That's like that's another way of saying creation and destruction, perhaps. But uh, and then uh, one who understands the different, both knowledge and ignorance, wisdom and ignorance. Right, that person or that sage can be called Bhagavan. So it says. Right. No, it says so. Uh, in a certain sense, only God understands creation and dissolution and the, uh, how beings appear and disappear. And the nature of ignorance and knowledge, right? So by saying the sage has this knowledge, in a certain sense, a sage has attained. We say a sage of the highest wisdom, the highest experience, is somebody who's attained union with God almost to a point where they know what God knows. You know, so it's, it's a, so it's a very big claim. The title is not we just you know we say it's not just a you know Guruji or a sage or a Muni or something like that you know some some Siddha or like Bhagavan is a is not a, t- a title for everybody these are for people of the highest type of realizations the type of realization that really only God knows these things so if somebody else has this they have for all intended purpose from our perspective they have God's knowledge right so we, so we, we see like whether or not they're literally God or an incarnation of God or a manifestation of God like that who knows from our perspective, they have godlike knowledge, godlike realization. You know, so for us, they're they're as good as you know. We call them god men or something like that sometimes. So, Bhagavan, Bhagavan Ramana Maharishi, we have the term Bhagavan for him, in that style. Bhagavan. So, so this is so so there is a there is so Bhagavan means. God as the object of our personal devotion. The personal God who is the object of personal devotion. Omni wonderful, all divine qualities and to extreme form. And so we can say we say so so there's something as soon as you start saying, Oh Kali, the goddess Kali, there's a danger. And I know our friend Igor would always say, No, no, don't call her goddess. She's God. Because goddess God because you have you know, God you have the gods and goddesses or God and goddess, right? Is that, that that's already these are two these are two types of being God in the larger theological term is just like the supreme reality, right? You know, it's like it's a, it's a term for the supreme reality, right? And in a certain sense, it's it it's it's a, it's actually you have to be careful. I don't want to argue beyond my my linguistic understanding, but the way it's used and the way Sri Ramakrishna Sri Ramakrishna uses he just says God when he's talking about Kali. He doesn't usually say God. The God is Kali. He says, "Oh God," and then he gives an example about Kali, because because God, the one that everyone thinks is God, God Kali is not just a Hindu goddess, right? Or a, a, a heavenly being, or an astral being, or a, a cult, a, a local cult goddess that inherited from the tribals in Assam, the mountains of Assam. You know, all these different things you can you can like that. She's not just that. She's those things too. She has a a biography. <laughs> Right, <laughs> historical biography of how she's manifested. There's ways to describe it, how she's been understood, and how she's been worshipped. But Sri Ramakrishna accepted those things, but she he definitely took it took her understanding to a, to another level. Right. Uh, and Swami Ambikananda in his in his translation work of the Katamrita, he's discovered some very revolutionary ideas. Right. There's one thing. It's not. I think it may be in the third, second, or third scan in. Uh, um, uh, Kanto, uh, tech book, volume, uh, where Doctor Sakar, Doctor Sakar, 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 right? If you remember in in the gospel, he's a very colorful character, right? And uh, uh, and one point when he mentions there there the Swami Vivekananda, the young that Naran and and M and and and, and Rakan, a few of the the, the Thakur's attendants were talking to him about the medical treatment of Sri Ramakrishna, and it, pretty soon they start talking. Whatever they talk, they start talking for you know about Sri Ramakrishna because he was so overwhelming to them during his final illness. And he said, "Oh yes, he's Sri Ram- Doctor Sakar said he's a Kali Upasak. So that's a classic. I consider myself a Kali. I would define myself. Somebody asked me, "Oh, I have Kali Upasak." He would say to, to a sadhu in India, you know, to Sri Ramakrishna. It means I'm a worshiper of Kali. Right, Upasika is I'm a Ram. I'm, you could say, oh, I'm a Ram. You could say a Kali Bhakta. 
But Kali Upasak is very he worships so that's a very conscious thing. Like we're worshiping the Kali. We we know that we do the Kali mantra. We have a special mantra for her. We have a special puja revealed in her scriptures in a particular lineage tradition of Kali worship. We're Kali worshippers, right? This is a not negative use, but it's a cult of Kali. Not the negative view, cult as in a group of people who have a similar focus, right? Uh, and so that's a natural thing. He's, one thing you can think about Sri Ramakrishna, oh, he's a Kali devotee. Every, we, I would say that. I think it's probably too, not, not emphasized enough. We can start, he's a Kali, he's a Kali Bhakta. But, say, but when he said he's a Kali Upasak, as I understand, oh yes, Thakur is a Kali Upasak. M and, and Swamiji and, and the group said, no, 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 you're misunderstanding him. Right? So he's not a Kali devotee. Of course, he is a Kali devotee, but he's not like he's not just a somebody who's initiated somebody who's initiated in the Kali mantra in the, in the lineage of Kali devotees for the for the worship of this of the particular deity to have these particular benefits of the puja like that lineage. Uh, he says, and then the line is, he says, he or she or it, she who is worshipped as Krishna by the Vaishnavas, as Shiva by the Shaivites as Jesus by the Christians, as Allah by the Muslims, as Brahman by the Gyanis. Right? He says, that, or she, Sri Ramakrishna worshipped as Kali. Right? So his Kali is the same reality that the Muslims call Allah, the, G- the Christians call God or Jesus. Right? It depends on the God the Father, or God the uh, different persons of the Trinity, who Vaishnavas call, you know, everybody's idea of the Supreme, that's who he's talking about. So there's some benefit of calling Kali God, not a goddess. Right, just something, right? And so the thing, but so when you say goddess, goddess, when you say goddess, now you're being gender specific, right? God is also, that's our masculine gender term, but it's actually a non specific. In common use, in philosophical use, it's a non gender specific. Uh, but then you had more specific, a, a male concept of God is God, a universal concept of God is God, and the female concept of God is goddess. You can say it like that. So, same thing, like the, the t- title. Like in like we have we have um in uh, in the Anglican Church and in the Lutheran Church there's female priests, right? They don't call themselves priestesses because priest is a gendered non it's inclusive term, right? But there's some traditions that want there's some value in some traditions in the more pagan traditions and like that they that they're they're using the word priestess to emphasize that the, there's a female priest. Right, you know, and, and but but it's not true to say the word priest is a male term. It's a, it's a it's a larger term. So God is a larger term for that. Uh, so, but so, uh, so but there is but there is that said. Right, I think it's a, that Bhagavan is Ma is Bhagavan, not just Bhagavati. But there is something if you don't. It's also something about saying that she's Bhagavati, right? That that term we not to lose the fact that there is a feminine. Predominance, right? That 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 she's the the like Kwatlike we have outside the mother of the gods, right? She's not just the supreme goddess; she's the mother of all conceptions. And by and when Sri Ramakrishna, when he said that she who is he who she who the Muslims worship is Allah and Jesus and the Christians worship is as the Father and and as Jesus and the Vaishnavas worship is Vishnu or Krishna and the Shaivites worship and like when he said like that. Um, uh, it's not just one amongst many. Like you, it's just like different names of the same reality. That's one we can think of it. We, and we often use that. Oh, the different truth is one. Call, call it by different names. It's a slightly different point. Truth is one, and she can be called by many different names, but, but she is one, and she is known by many names. It's a Shakta perspective, ultimately. Right? The, 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 that, the mother reality gives birth to all possible religious conceptions. All possible religious paths, right? So the the emphasizing the mother aspect, the the, the supreme, the god, the goddess aspect, right? The mother, we anthropology we say the mother goddess. You know, we don't use that term so much in our literature. We say divine mother, but the mother goddess is she is that supreme reality that generates every possibility, right? That within her womb, within her womb, is all masculine, feminine, and and neuter ideas of divinity and manifestation, right? The mother gives birth to men, female, and everything, and, and, and everything else, right? So there is, an, there is an importance, I think, in not forgetting that she's here, Bhagavati, right? So, Bhagavati, that's our time. Okay, we're okay. Um, 
Bhagavan. So, so I give in the general. So Bhagavan is the is the personal aspect of God as as an object of worship of the devotee. She is Bhagavan Bhagavati. She is that. Uh, I like the word Bhagavati. I, I, there is one Swami that we used to know that uh, uh, we still we haven't seen him in twenty years, so we theoretically still know him. Named Mahadevananda. Uh, a very extremely colorful character, but he always referred to Bhagavati. By the grace of Bhagavati, Lord, he'd, he'd emphasize, you know, that, uh, that, that quality, which I liked very much. Um, when I went to, how do I, how do I, how do I bring, um, we have one of our dear uh, kind of mentors, named Harudan Das Baal. He's a disciple of Pornadas Baal. I Meaning, a few people here probably know who Pornadas Baal is and who the Baals are. The Baals are a mystical sect in Bengal of, um, of of minstrels and fakirs, and they're wonderful. And they're and Kali Mandir. Although the Baals aren't into temples, into image worship like this, Kali Mandir is strongly influenced by the Baals. We have a strong. This could have easily been a Baal ashram, not a Kali temple. It could have gone. It could have gone either way in the early years. <laughs> which was extremely influenced by Bao philosophy and Bao literature and, and Bao oral tradition. So one, this wonderful musician and guru in the Bao tradition, uh, we're many times in our conversations, almost every conversation, when I'm hanging out with him, he always brings up, Bhagavan, God is not Bhagavan. God is Ishwara. We're Bhagavan. So he's used, now, that, now every tradition uses the words in their own way, but it's an interesting thing. Right, Ish- Ishwara, the one who creates, sustains, destroys, reveals, and conceals—that's God's. That's the divine, right? But Bhagavan has a couple different meanings, right? Um, and but and so one one is is this is a uh, it's given in the shastras. So I'll, I'll give by by the anal- analyzing of the words. Very often, like by this, Ba means this, and Ram means this, A means this. You can get so I'll give you a classic thing, Ba. Ba, the word that sound the 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 um, what's the Jewish community that does this? The Kabbalists do the same thing. They'll analyze a word's meaning by the sounds of its letters, right? So this is Hindus. It's all over Tantra for sure. Tantra, Tantra loves this technique, right? So ba ba we get the, we have the word bhumi. So ba means bhumi means earth, right? Ug, agni fire, right? A, ah akasha space. Va, vayu, wind or air. Na, nir, that means uh, water, right? And, and so, Bhagavan, these letters together means earth, fire, space, air, and water. The five elements are there, right? So, Bhagavan is, you could say Bhagavan is the one who creates the five elements, but usually it's like, no, the five elements is Bhagavan, is Bhagavati, is, this is him, this is her. Right and 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 we're also beyond that. What are we, right? This body, this universe, everything is only is only that. There's another thing uh, aspect that that's a little more um, tantric, and and the the Baals bring this up also. Bhag has, Bhagavan has another meaning. Bhag is a, is a female reproductive organ, right? The Bhag is also there, and we have that even in the Sanyas tradition. We'll say, oh, like you know, this orange cloth we call it. Sometimes we say Gera. Or the um, the kavi. There's different words we use, but actually the most in the traditional stuff they they call it the bagua, bagua, bagua. Right. So this is the color. What's bagua? Bagua. Why is it this color? Is a color of the mother goddess. This color is the, it comes from um, made from mud. This iron, this red dirt, which uh, was uh, gera, um, that's uh, very high in iron, right. And in the ancient tradition, this is considered like the menstrual uh, fluid of the of the mother goddess herself, of the earth goddess or Parvati, right? So Bhagwa, this is this it actually says like that. This is this is it can't be, this is called Bhagwa because it comes from the the the, the goddess's uh, flow, flow, right? So then Bhag Bhag is is a female uh, organ, and Vana va, Vana is a male organ. Right, there's a little more, and so Bhagavan is a union of male and female, which means which is what gives birth to this universe. So, and that says what's born of male and female. All of us are born of male and female. So, in that sense, we're Bhagavan, not in the sense that we're the controller. We have the six qualities, and often this is a very specialized definition that the that the Baals and some of these mis, uh, tantric mystical sects will understand it. Right. 
um, uh, but there's a there's a subtle thing why it's important why I, I bring this up because most people will never you know you don't actually need to know that this is one of the meanings of Bhagavan unless you're studying Baal philosophy or tantric philosophy and, and and without knowing that you won't you'll be missing some hidden language that's given right but it is important why Ma Kali is called Bhagavati here because there is Bhagavan like I said Bhagavan could be a gendered neutral term but here it's not gender neutral actually it's very it's, it has a very gendered very specific meaning and the term bhagavati changes its meaning right so here bhag, bhag and vana vana or vana as a male organ actually means lord it has another secondary meaning <coughs> so the lord of the bhaga which is a way of man possessing the wife or you know we use that language where we were given away in marriage to we use that language. The father gives away the daughter. You know, we it's it's in a lot of cultures, but it's it's definitely implied in that language, right? And by saying Bhagavati, it's like we it's in, it's it's changing this that it's it's not the Lord of the Bhaga, the the goddess of the the she is the Lord of the she is the controller of the of the Bhaga, right? Anyway, this is a Bhaga Ki Swami. It says actually that the Bhaga is the the. Uh, Bhagavan is the lord of Bhaga. But Bhagavati, she is, so she's supreme in Allah. She's not possessed. She's not controlled. And this is a, shakta, a very Shakta conception. And this is this text is extremely Shakta text. So we'll leave it like that. So there is, so uh, uh, Sri Ramakrishna, when he, when, when he says, when he describes Kali as Bhagavan or Ishwara, instead of Bhagavati or Ishwari, right? Because he's associating with her as a supreme source the god you know the, the as bhagavan as brahman as paramatma right uh, uh, but by saying bhagavati also has a lot of value i think to remember she's also she is she is bhagavan you know that there's still something and we were we had some struggle and, and nervousness and we how do you translate in sri ramakrishna's language right like which which pronoun do you use Right. Of course, nowadays we have all kinds of problems with pronouns, right? But we have, what pronouns does Kali use? Kali uses she, right? <laughs> right. That's that's the thing. Even though, so, uh, uh, and so there's a thing in the in the Katamrita. In Bengali, has a quality that there's the the, the doesn't have a gendered first person pronoun, right? So it's he, she, or it is known by by context, right? Uh, so whenever in the in the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna you see he referring to God, right? Um, that's just because in English you have to choose in English you have to choose a, you have to choose a, a gender, right? And so God is he matches God rather than she in our normal way of thinking. Except what I just said actually doesn't because God is is not is 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 not a gendered idea concept. Uh, so you could it's experiment when you open the Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna and you read when you, every time that Sri Ramakrishna says he just just shift it to she because it doesn't say he in Bengali it doesn't have the word it it, it doesn't uh, we have to we have to sign a word right and usually he's sitting on the steps of the of the, of the Kali temple right and then his story every example really amazing we've tested this every time like well, what can't be she. It's just so weird to say that now. We have to. It has to God. He's used, he says Ishwara or Bhagavan, and in the and language, it has to. We have to make it match to to He. But then examples always. Oh, like a mother, like a, a fish has come into the home. A mother, you know. And he gives an example. Every example is always a mother example. Or to illustrate the point, he'll sing with Shama Sangeet, a Kali, a Durga or Kali song, to Kali. Very interesting, right? Because we have to. Of course. You can put you can put any word you want in there, right? Because you can put he, she, or it as you like. Because it's not there; it's only known by context. I think if you change, if you think about the context, right, and put she in there, it changes the, the language, the meaning changes, right? Very interesting. Give it a shot. Yeah, experiment. Just read the gospel, and whenever it's talking about God, switch to he's to she's, and and, and the the bhava changes, and even the some of the and some. And sometimes some very specific philosophical theological points about some of the things we're talking about change, right? You'll we miss you'll miss the point if you, if if we gloss it over into good into good English, right? So that's Bhagavan Bhagavati. The next name I think we'll only get one more name. I had planned for four more names, but five more names. But I'm learning my own foolishness. 
Anuragini. This is, I love this name. Anuragini is, is name 243. Anuragini in verse 31. Kali Sahasranamam. What time is it now? We have 10 minutes. Anurag. <coughs> this is a term, Sri Ramakrishna used this word a lot. Um, A simple definition could be devotion or love, emotion, affect, uh, affection. Um, it could it could go to the. It has a wide variety. Once again, by usage, you understand it. Attachment, loyalty, passion. The way Thakur used it in the usually when he used it, it would probably the best if you put each one of these words into the sentence. The one that usually makes sense is like passionate devotion, passionate love and longing. Right, so his when he that was his his term anurag, and he defined he used this term anurag bhag, right? The the um, the tiger or lion? tiger bhag is a tiger I think right? But the the tiger of emotion, the tiger of passion, right? He says that 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 the that the way one realizes God until that your devotion becomes like like you imagine like a like a ferocious overwhelming. Power, the power and ferocity of a, of a tiger when your passion for God becomes like that. And he described within me the Anurag Bhag would, would awaken. Like it becomes like a roar. I mean, he, he called out with Mao like the roar of a lion or roar of a tiger. Right? You can imagine that such a, the, the, the height where his hairs would stand on and the, the, the passionate. So Anurag is that divine, passionate love, right? Aguragini, you could say that she is, she is that. Devotion. She is that. She is itself that passion. Aguragini way of you have to be a little tricky, but we a little tricky. But by implication, is she who enjoys that, or she is the object of that. The object of of an anurag of passion is her, right? But she relishes it. She that 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 is she. If you and if the problem is that we're not going to get to the next group of names, but we and and we only mentioned the previous group of names. That deal with the Shushumna, deal with Sahasrasada, you know, and the, the her, her flow back and forth, and subtle and the gross. That this is her play is this pl- the full play of emotions, and when you when you from from the Muladhara to Sahasrasada, the highest that the the, the Nadi Nadi Sagara this name we did last time, um, this is the, the height. This is at, at its height. Anurag is. Anurag Bhag is the experience of our, our emotions. We have emotions and feelings and sentiments and devotion and, and loyalty and all these things at every, at every step, step. But at the highest step, it becomes the... Sri Krishna would describe it as like wanting to swallow the moon. Right? That's that. that he says that it's, it's impossible, but I will try. I ha- I'll die if I don't do it. It's that type of... It takes it's that level of passion. That, that's the final... That, that's what's experienced which she experienced or how she manifests at the higher levels of, 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 of realization. Anuragini. So we won't do verse 32, but I will mention verse 32 because there's a cap to these topics. These are very beautiful. So that highest reality who is called Bhagavati who is um, uh, uh, Shuddha and all these other names we mentioned at the top of the head, at beyond, beyond duality, all the things we've mentioned last two, three weeks. Other qualities that's going to be descri- that, that are now described, Paramananda Rupa, she in the form of supreme or the highest bliss, right? Chirananda Sarupini, her essential nature is consciousness and bliss, right? Sarvananda Mai. Right. She's permeated by all bliss, or she's fully permeated by bliss. Sarvananda uh, Sarupini, whose essential nature is this complete, all-pervading bliss. And in the middle of the whole thing, the word nitya is there, hinting that this is what this is being described. The problem is that this whole world is permeated by this, but it isn't. Right? You know, Chidananda is eternal consciousness and bliss, and we see the yogis see the. the the Siddhas see this whole world saturated with the, with the divine bliss, yet it's dying, it's temporary, it's limited. 
right? So the nitya, the, it's still that when the yogis see the world permeated by this, they're seeing the unchanging and the changing. So it's hinted at that. So anyways, next week, God willing, uh, weather permitting and health permitting, in the next year, not next week, next year, <laughs> week, uh, next year, 2020, let's, let's go for it. <laughs> my grandfather, I, my, my, aunt, my auntie told me today that he would always say, many of you are here, very good. But before the new year, many people go to the temple to pray for the new year. He said, you can do that if you go to the temple on, on, before the new year to give thanks. Right, because so that's the thing we come, we got this last few days, we give thanks for this last year and all the struggles that came with it, as well as the glorious. And of course, we, we pray for the next. Uh, and we also pray, everybody here, if we don't see you, that my may Ma bless you with prosperity, health, happiness. Uh, may you all thrive in every way. At the feet and grace of the, the grace of the Divine Mother. So any comments or questions? We actually don't really have time, but if there's any pressing thing, I think we should make the transition for RIT. Thank you for your kind attention. And we shall save and close. Hariyom Tatsat. Jai Makali. Thank mm-hmm. you.